Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Ladies and gentlemen, there was something hidden in the air quotes stimulus bill you are not going to want to miss. You're always a few months ahead of the news cycle here. I've got a story for you later. Phase three against Trump has begun. You know, the whole Spygate and the Ukraine hoax. I'm telling you, you're not going to want to miss the story. Got that, got the highlights and the lowlights uh, of this. Uh, I'm not even going to call it a stimulus bill, uh, maybe a rescue bill, but stimulus, it's not going to be. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Surf the web with peace of mind, ladies and gentlemen. Sign up now at expressvpn.com slash Bongino. Welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Fine, sir. Well, it's a fine day. I'm a fine sir, and we're ready to go, bro. Yeah. Uh, You're faking it today, I can tell. Joe is not feeling good, I can tell before the show. I think Joe is, uh, right? Man. I know it. I know yeah, Joe. Yeah, man, I'm feeling, feeling good. You sounded a little down. All right, all right, that's uh, good. I don't want to put you good. on the spot there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to want to miss today's show again. I got the highlights and the many lowlights of what they are calling a stimulus bill, which is not going to stimulate. It may rescue some people, and that mm. may be a good thing, uh, depending on how we do it. But stimulate? No, not so much. That money has to come from somewhere. And wait till you hear the cost of this bill for everyone over 18 in America. Oh. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna quake you. All right, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Quip. Ladies and gentlemen, the finest electric toothbrush out there, Quip. If you don't have this electric toothbrush, your mouth is not as clean as it should be. It's like a power wash for your mouth. Everybody mm. in my house has one because they work. Quip, are the makers of the finest Quip electric toothbrush. They want you to know that one single discovery matters most for your dental care. It's this. If you have good dental habits and brushing habits, you are going to have good dental health. Brush for two minutes, twice a day, floss regularly. No matter what brand you use, Quip makes that simple with the best electric toothbrush out there. It's like a power washing for your mouth. Love this thing. Your teeth will feel different when you're done with this. They have refillable floss and anti-cavity toothpaste. Quip's electric brush has sensitive sonic vibrations with a built-in timer and 30-second pulses to guide you to a full and even clean. The Quip floss dispenser comes with pre-marked string. What a great idea to help you use just enough. Don't throw any out. Plus, Quip delivers free brush heads. I just got mine. Floss and toothpaste refills to your door every three months with free shipping. So your routine is always right and on point. Join over 3 million healthy mouths today and get Quip starting at just $25. $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Dan right now, you get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip, Q-U-I-P dot com slash Dan, spelled get G-E-T, quip, Q-U-I-P dot com slash Dan, getquip.com slash Dan, quip, the good habits company. All right, Joe, let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, first, uh, the bad news. Again, if you're tuning into the Drudge Report every day on the Internet, I feel for you because the hysteria is outrageous. You think the world was ending and Armageddon's happening tomorrow. I can't recommend to you enough. You go to BonginoReport.com to avoid the just nonstop 24-hour hysteria and fear machine drudge and many people on cable news are doing. However, there is some bad news we have to deal with. There's a problem to be solved, and we're going to solve it. Here it is, Washington Examiner. Jobless claims, claims, that part's important, uh, came in today. Article Washington Examiner will be up in the show notes by Jay Heflin. New jobless claims soared a record 3.3 million as coronavirus wreaks havoc on the economy. Ladies and gentlemen, numbers are meaningless without context, but that's a number that punches you in the face, context or not. Yeah. Jobless claims are 3.3 million. In the modern economic history of our country, the previous record for people claiming their job, claiming benefits because they're now jobless 
was 695,000 in 1982. Holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a joke. This is uh that's a huge number. Now, again, I'm not here to put lipstick on bad news for you. There's bad news, there's good news. We'll balance it. I'm not doing hysteria. You want that? You can go to Drudge or you can go to some cable news channels that prefer to do that. Not me. Not interested. Why did I emphasize the word claims? Well, now you understand the context of the number. The number is is close to five times as large as the largest number in modern U.S. history for jobless claims. Yeah. I say that because, again, just on the bad news side, so you understand context here. Those are only claims, ladies and gentlemen. That doesn't mean just 3.3 million people are newly jobless. That means those are the people who claim, made claims to the government about it that they can track. Some people are eligible for benefits and didn't put in. Some people don't realize they're eligible. Some gig workers aren't, uh, aren't in that number. The number, to be candid with you, ladies and gentlemen, is probably worse. Mm. Again, I'm not here to put lipstick on it. Nobody saw this coming. It's, no, you know, it, it's nobody here's fault. But that's a big number. Now, this number is dramatic. And I bring up this number first to discuss in context the topic we've been talking about for the last few weeks, which is this. Ladies and gentlemen, are the draconian measures being proposed by many people, which Trump is now starting to fight back against, closure of the economy uh, for, for weeks, if not months, being seriously proposed by many? Now that you see the damage, there's a reason I opened the show with this. Now that you see the real world economic damage being done by people to, to people who need money to feed their kids and to fuel their lives, to get to work, to go to work, to pay for their kids' education, to feed themselves, to feed their families, to save a little money. Now that you see the economic damage is shut down did. Does my conversation with you over the past two weeks make more sense? Anyone, anyone on the right or left framing this argument as a simple black or white issue. What do you want people to die? Mm -hmm. Ignoring the fact that people will die if we continue to bankrupt the country. Starvation, depression. Constant stress loads from people who can't get a job. Anyone trying to paint this, anyone trying to paint this argument as a silly, if then, black or white, and not discussing it on the margins as if this doesn't have consequences, like 3.3 million jobless claims in a week, discard them immediately as unserious people. They're garbage people. I've got some video of these garbage people in a minute who are trying to frame this as a false choice, almost in some cases, because they're not necessarily the same, almost as a Hobson's choice. You know what a Hobson's choice is? Hobson, who said you can pick this horse or no horse at all, pretends that's a choice. It's not a choice. Either pick this horse or no it, right? You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There are people in the media trying to do this, trying to put Trump in a box where he has no choice at all. Either pick this shutdown or blah, 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 blah. They're, they're trying to paint it as a Hobson's choice. here. The they're trying to box him into a corner. Because it's dunk on Trump time. Now, 
Ladies and gentlemen, anybody, again, giving you this oversimplified nonsense that we got to shut it down or people are going to die. Ladies and gentlemen, people have died. This is very serious. People will continue to die from this virus. We live in the real world. None of what I just told you is hyperbole or nonsense. It is true. People are going to die from this. The question is, how are we going to respond on the margin? We can stop people from dying tomorrow. You know how, Joe? We can order people at gunpoint to sit inside their homes and never leave for the next three months. And I promise you the virus will burn out. You may say, that's ridiculous. It's the same ridiculous argument being painted by the media. Hey, we got to shut things down forever because people will die. It's equally as dumb, is it not? Life exists on the margin, folks. We put risk cost analysis on our own lives every single day, every single day, every day. Americans know the risk of the flu. 50% of them don't get a flu shot. Americans know you could potentially die in an airliner crash. It's very rare, but it happens. We get on planes anyway because we put a value on our own lives. The value's high, but it's a value. We take risks every single day in our lives. What am I getting at here? These draconian measures we're doing right now, which are going to have to come to an end soon. People have to eat and have to work to eat. They will have to come to an end soon, and there is a risk involved there. There is no doubt, Joe, when this stops and these stay-at-home orders, in some cases stay-at-home suggestions, end, yes, there may be pockets of this virus that creep up again. But the danger level of that virus, I'm telling you, is based on data that's faulty, and I'm going to prove it to you now. I discussed it during yesterday's show when I discussed a Wall Street Journal article that made the point that, yes— The contagiousness, the R0, the R0 of this virus is high, no doubt. Maybe a little more contagious than we even thought. The lethality of it, the fatality rate, ladies and gentlemen, has been going down and down and down. So if we're going to put a risk calculus on our own life, hey, I got to get to work. This virus is a risk. I need to know how risky it is. And the data they're telling you how risky this is, ladies and gentlemen, is not right. Let me get to the false choice. But first, I want to get to Dr. Deborah Burks, one of the leaders of uh, President Trump's Wuhan Virus Task Force. Dr. Burks is hinting at this yesterday during the briefing. You may have caught this. Now, this is about two minutes long, but I only took 40 seconds of it because this is the part that matters. Right. There's always something going on behind the scenes, and that's what I'm here. I may need a Burks translator. Ah, we can't. I don't want to make that. But seriously, we have the Nunes translator. But I will translate for you. It's a Dan Bongino, Dr. Burke's translator. Listen to what she says about what I'm getting at, that people are making decisions now to bankrupt the economy and put you out of work based on data that may not be right. Check this out. I know that it has become a place where people are looking at numbers rather than what is needed. Um, Because if you do these projections, when you got to those projections that said, like in Germany and others, that implied that 60 percent or 50 percent of the population would get infected. I want to be very clear. The only way that happens is, is this virus remains continuously moving through populations in this cycle, in the fall cycle, and another cycle. So that's through three cycles with nothing being done. Hmm. Did you catch that? Mm-hmm. You see that, Joe, did you see the briefing yesterday? It's yeah. a long one. It's a good no. one. Very informative. 
That was an interesting little tidbit. There's always something going on behind the scenes. <laughs> and what's going on behind the scenes, ladies and gentlemen? Everybody who told President Trump, listen, we're going to have 2 million potential dead bodies. Germany could, 68% of its population could be infected. This could be the next apocalypse. Don't question it's serious. The question is not if it's serious. The answer to that is yes. The question, as I've said for three weeks now, is how serious? And the how serious is this? How deadly is this? The data may not be right. You think Dr. Burks, who's not a politician, I've met her, full disclosure, we're not personal friends or anything, I've met her, strikes me as a very candid, more than competent scientist and doctor who understands what's going on. Believe me, she's not going to be pressured into saying anything at a press conference she doesn't believe in. She's starting to question if some of the models used were wrong. Some of the models, ladies and gentlemen, used to paint Trump into a Hobson's choice, either that horse or no horse at all. Either a shutdown or we're going to kneecap you. Hmm. Now, Trump understands that because Trump is a little smarter than obviously these uh, media lunatics give him credit for. Trump understands he's being painted into a corner by the press who just wants to dunk on him. I'm telling you, if you're asking me why the press is doing this, painting him into a shutdown the economy or else, I'm not going to get into their motives because I can't get in their heads and they do that to us. I'm just telling you it's not in your best interest. And it's obviously to make Trump look bad. The media has no scientific epidemiological background in this at all. They don't know what they're talking about. They ran with a model that is now a failure. Trump gets this, that the models he's been told about may not be right. Hence his response yesterday to this media lunatic who tries to do what I just told you <laughs> is a silly old straw man argument. We want people to die. Check this out. How many deaths are acceptable? Yeah. How many? None. Okay. How many deaths are acceptable to me? None. Okay. None. If that's your question. Good for the president. Yeah. For detecting Joe BS alert. Ding, hmm? ding, 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 ding. Bolt alert. BS coming. He sees it right away. There are two things going on here. The media is already setting up the narrative. What is it? What is it? Some of you out there either driving into your cars, watching at home or watching me on YouTube, you are already picking it up. What's this? Remember, the media is not here to tell you the story. That's what actual journalists do, not these people. They're here to tell you a story, not the story. And what is the a story, the fable, the narrative, the gaslighting they're setting up right now? Did you catch it? Oh, yeah. When the economy opens up because people have to live, people have to eat, people have to survive, only a shocker to the left, by the way, I just told you, yes, people will get infected and some people will die. I'm not here to put lipstick on anything. It's not acceptable. Every single person that dies is a name, is a mom, is a dad. It's not acceptable. None of it. We need to do everything in our power to protect ourselves and them and the most vulnerable. But painting that as a false choice, mm -hmm. open up the economy and someone will die unacceptable, while ignoring the mass bankruptcies and the deprivation and the poverty about to be caused by these decisions is infantile and pure idiocy at its worst. This is not a choice, keep it shut down or someone's going to die. 
Someone is going to die regardless, and that's a tragedy. Regardless of what you do. How much pain are you willing to take based on the risk? And that risk is calculated using what? Data, Joe. And Trump is starting to understand that the data may not be right. Mm -hmm. And the media's new narrative is going to be Trump opened up the economy, Joe, and people died. Yep. They'll even have a catchy little lingo for it. Remember, Bush lied, people died. It'll be, you know, whatever. Trump lied, people died. They're, They're already preparing it right now because they're that stupid. It's all about framing. It's all about framing. Again, without context and without an understanding of the data that underlined and undergirded these decisions. Now you may say, Dan, you haven't told us about the data. I haven't. I wanted to set up the narrative first because they're getting ready to tell you this. Shut it down. Keep it shut down no matter what, Joe. If one person dies, that's, right. that's too much. One person dying is a tragedy. Anyone mm-hmm. dying unnecessarily is always a tragedy. You know what's a tragedy also? 3.3 million jobless people in a week at the low end. Nearly five times what we've seen in the worst economic crises in U.S. history. That's not a tragedy? What's that? Well, what's that for you? What is that? What, what is that? Romper room? What is that? A party? Well, what is that? A little get-together? A little shindig? People looking for an early vacation? What is that to you? Are you that stupid? Let's get to the modeling. You know what? Wait, before I get to that, let me just get to this second sponsor. We only run a few sponsors per show. They're important. They want to be here. Uh, but I want to get to this modeling is going to take a minute because I want to show you all of these decisions are being made. A modeling that's broken. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at LifeLock. Ladies and gentlemen, with all of these government checks about to go out, please, please protect your identity. You got tax season coming up soon. It's been a little bit delayed and you're going to have tons of government checks going out. Tax season can be a pain. It's worth it when you open the mailbox and you get a refund. You might get a check soon from the government too, unless it turns out that someone already stole your identity, stole your refund, stole your return. This happens a lot during tax season. Your personal info, your name or social security number can be emailed and shared more than usual, especially now. Criminals get really, really nasty during crises. They can steal your info from your devices, sell it on the dark web and use it to commit identity theft. You need LifeLock, the number one most recognized brand in identity theft protection. We have it. I have it on my phone. Every time someone checks my credit, we get a, we get a, uh, I get a text. I love it. LifeLock monitors for uses of your personal info, alerts you to possible suspicious activity. And if you become a victim of identity theft, something I did in my prior line of work where we investigate identity theft, it's everywhere. They have a dedicated identity restoration specialist, which will work to fix it for you. Listen, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But having LifeLock means one less thing to stress about during tax season and during this season where criminals are going to get very feisty. Join now and save up to 25% of your first year. Protect your family too. I have my kids and my wife under this as well. Just go to LifeLock.com slash Bongino. That's LifeLock.com slash Bongino for 25% off. Go today. LifeLock.com slash Bongino. Okay. So getting back to it, I told you that this hysteria and the responses was being based on data that Trump is starting to smell a rat. Let's Mm -hmm. go to this article in The Guardian. The Guardian, by the way, Joe, this is not some bastion of uh, far-right politics here. Mm -mm. The Guardian, Ian Sample, their science editor, March 25th, 2020. I have this in the show notes today, Bungino.com. Coronavirus exposes the problems and pitfalls 
of modeling. Models based on assumptions in the absence of data can be over-speculative and open to gross over-interpretation, you think? Again, any idiot telling you either shut it down or someone's going to die, painting it as a false black and white without suggesting that people will die if you continue to shut it down is a moron. The question you should be asking now are these models and this data we're shutting everything down based on, are they accurate? Well, let's check out The Guardian. Again, not some bastion of right-wing conspiracy theories, as these leftists would tell you. So one of these Oxford researchers... Paul Klenerman called this 68% figure. That's a figure 68% of people are going to be infected mm-hmm. in this country, in the UK. Called it the most extreme result, Joe. And explained that, quote, there's another extreme, which is that only a tiny proportion have been exposed. The true figure, which is unknown, was likely somewhere in between, he said. Huh? In other words, mm-hmm. the number of people infected in Britain is either very large, very small, or middling. This may sound unhelpful, but that is precisely the point. We need much more data about who has been exposed to inform the policy, Klenerman said. Wait. What? Listen, I I, I know these are difficult, uncomfortable conversations for many because we are picking between two bad alternatives. There are no good choices here. Open it up, and yes, there are going to be people who get infected and people will die. Don't open it up. There are still going to be people infected and people who die. There's right. still going to be the Wuhan virus, but you're going to have 3.3 million unemployed people who can't figure out where to get their next meal. These are not all good options. These are bad options. The question is not which is good, which is better. The question is which is less worse. Mm-hmm. And when you're basing that on a model, Joe, that you saw what I just read in this piece in The Guardian, that, well, the model may be wrong. There very maybe very few exposures or maybe something in the middle or maybe 68%. How the hell is that useful? Did I miss something? I, I'm, I'm not kidding. To all the scientists and doctors who email me, I love your emails. I, I Shout out to Murray. Murray always sends good emails. A doctor. I always, I have the smartest audience out there. I deeply respect you're, you're, you don't live in an intellectual vacuum. You're very smart. But if I'm having been, a, again, a, a multiple graduate degree holder, oh, I just said it. I hate that. That sounds the worst. But I'm just curious because <laughs> I do have a deep body of knowledge and statistics. I've, both of my graduate degrees involve the study of statistics, both of them, experimental psychology, that portion of my studies, and in my MBA where you know, we do black shoals, financial spreadsheets, net present value, and that kind of stuff. I'm kind of curious if this was a business model, getting out of experimental psychology and correlational stuff and all that kind of stuff, Pearson product moment stuff. If a business, Joe, was to give you a spreadsheet, a model on Joe's new line of computers, Joe's starting a computer company, right? Mm -hmm. Joe's fancy computers. And someone gives him a spreadsheet saying, Joe, here are our projections on your revenue. Right, for the right. next 10 years. And Joe, mm-hmm. it's Joe saved everything to start this computer. It's a million dollars of Joe's money. He's about to pour into this computer line because he thinks there's a demand. I'm just asking a simple question to our scientists in the audience, even the liberals out there who pretend mm-hmm. to be scientists. And the guy comes back, this accountant or this MBA student with a model and says, Joe, I have three projections that will be very useful for you determining if you should invest your million dollars in this product line. Here's projection one. You lose everything and you're wiped out. 
Hold on, Joe. You're going right. to have to make a decision. Here's projection two. Mm-hmm. You make a little bit of money. Here's projection three, Joe. You become filthy rich. There you go, pal. You make the call. Uh, Now, simple question for you, Joe. Are you not sitting there going, I paid you for this? Wait, you're a a Wharton consultant. Nothing against Wharton. It's a great school. But again, I went to business school myself. I thought it was very valuable. I learned a Mm -hmm. lot. I'm not kidding. What's the point? Do you understand we just shut down the entire United States economy practically over a model that says it could be bad, it could be really bad, or it could be not that bad? Now, fairly enough, you may be saying, Dan, why are you spending so much time on this? Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is what the scientists are telling the president, who is starting to smell a rat. Yep. This is what's going on, but trust me. Listen to me. Gavel out. The verdict is in. Please, if you've ever trusted everything I'm telling you, I got the scoop. People scoop me stuff. Ice cream scoop right on top. I'm telling you, this is what's happening behind the scenes. The president is walking into rooms going, ah, that kind of smells like bold. And all the scientists use, I'm not knocking the scientists. I'm not. They are very important. I want to be clear. But a lot of the scientists who don't understand economics, depression, the Great Depression, the recession, and all of the ramifications that come from that, who see everything in black and white, are like, man, the president's questioning everything we do. Well, maybe that's why we voted him into office. Yeah. To question everything everybody's doing up there. I am telling you, behind the scenes, there is a battle brewing. And the pres- it's a battle against two fronts. That's why I played the media cut and Dr. Burks. Front number one is a battle against models that have turned out to be wrong. And useless. I've got more on the models. This is important. This is the argument of our time right now. Are we going to shut down the economy for another month based on models that have not materialized and destroy the lives of millions of Americans? That's battle number one. Are the models right? No. Battle number two is going to be Trump versus the media as the media sets it up as a false story. Remember, they tell you a story, not their story. And the a story they're trying to tell you is if Trump opens up the economy, people are going to die and Trump killed them. Get ready. You heard it here first. Get yeah. ready. And then the investigation's going to come afterwards. I didn't even get to that yet. Hat tip Kim Strassel. I'll get to that in a minute nah, too. Don't go anywhere. Today's show is going to blow your mind. Got to be an investigation. showing you again. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Be. Wait for this one. Well, of course, it's Trump. They got to investigate everything. Right. Showing you again how these models fight number one. Are these models right? We're bankrupting everybody because of them. Here is a former New York Times reporter, of all things. I don't know the guy. Could be a nice guy. Don't know him at all. But apparently pretty well respected. Studies pandemics and things like that, apparently. His tweets this morning have been getting a lot of interest. A lot of interest. So is this guy Berenson. I want you to check out his tweets because they're illuminating about, again, we're shutting down the economy based on a model that we're all going to die. Are those right? Here's tweet number one. Quote, at Alex Berenson. Read this, please. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can see it. YouTube.com slash Bongino. Check it out. 
Tweet number one from Alex Berenson. This is a remarkable turn from Niall, uh, Neil Ferguson. Excuse me. Neil Ferguson is the researcher who's giving us this data, ladies and gentlemen. This is a remarkable turn from Ferguson, who led the Imperial College authors who warned us of 500,000 UK deaths and who now is himself tested positive for COVID. Hmm. Yeah. So Mr. Berenson, who I don't know, but again, was a writer for the New York Times. I don't know the man at all. Is starting to say, hey, uh, those predictions that everybody's modeling their shutdown of the economy and the bankruptcy of millions of Americans. We now know the numbers on 3 million in one week. Those models don't sound right. 500,000, huh? The research who put that out there, ladies and gentlemen, Neil Ferguson starting to do a bit of a 180. Let's go to tweet two and three from Mr. Berenson, who smells something going on too. Quote, Alex Berenson, talking about this researcher. He now says both the UK, both that the UK should have enough ICU beds and that the coronavirus will probably kill under 20,000 people in the UK. More than half of who would have died by the end of the year in any case because they were so old and sick. These are Berenson's tweets, not my word. All right. Tweet three. Essentially, what has happened is that the estimates of the virus's transmissibility, its contagiousness, have increased, which I've said to you for weeks, which implies that many more people have already gotten it than we realize, which in turn, ladies and gentlemen, implies it is less dangerous. Again, while the loser left and the media matters idiots who laughed when we were we endorse a company on the show that sells emergency preparedness products. God forbid you're prepared in an emergency. Yeah, they thought mm -hmm. that was hysterical. They thought that was hilarious. Never, ever take advice from snowflakes on the left. These are the same people who ignored the argument we've been making here for what, Joe, three weeks? It is yes. highly contagious. That is mm -hmm. clear. But because it's highly contagious the fatality rate is likely inflated as even this former New York Times reporter is starting to call BS on this researcher with these inflated fatality rates. The question is not, will people die? 20,000 deaths, if that's accurate at the low end, is 20,000 moms and dads. Those are real people. Real funerals, real tears. The question is not, will people die? And is it a tragedy? The answer is yes. The question is, how many? Shutting down the economy because a model told you 500,000 people will die when in fact the number may be closer to 20. Ladies and gentlemen, is a totally, completely disproportionate response to proportion based on data that was not right. If it's highly contagious and the number of dead we have in the country are nowhere close to what you predicted, clearly it's not as lethal as you said it was. Right. I got more. Wait till the Strassel story. All right. Let me get to some highlights and lowlights of this. I'm not, it's, it, I, I'm, I'm, if I mistakenly call it a stimulus bill, it's not a stimulus bill. It may be a rescue bill. It may be a Band-Aid, but ladies and gentlemen, the government doesn't stimulate anything, and I'm trying to stop. It's hard using the left's language because it's not a stimulus bill. The government doesn't stimulate anything. It simply takes money from you. It doesn't stimulate anything. 
Why are they saying that? The left and the media wants this language out there because they want you to believe, like they want you to believe government spending in the Great Depression rescued the economy. It did not. There's no data to support that. The government takes money out of the economy, takes a cut for itself and puts it back in. Having said that, given that this was a not self-imposed crisis, businesses didn't do anything wrong, a Band-Aid may be warranted. But there are a lot of really awful things in this bill which passed the Senate last night and will be voted on the House probably tomorrow. There's a lot of horrible things in here that really need to go away quick. I'm not sure anybody is going to have the guts, though, to pull them out. Let's go to some of the lowlights first. I'm going to get to a couple. Of, I've got portions of the bill, but in the interest of time, I'm just going to read a few from my own head here. One of these benefits, ladies and gentlemen, they're adding on unemployment benefits. Remember, this is just money we're going to have to pay back later. You're right. Okay, yeah. we have to understand mm-hmm. that. This is not, there's no money fairy. One of the amendments proposed was to make the unemployment benefit 100% of your lost salary. Okay, makes sense. You may say, well, what amendment? The amendment was to strip out a benefit that gave you your lost salary plus $600. Ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't make sense right now. I'm sorry. If we're replacing people's salaries, why are we giving more money that we're going to have to pay back later than the salary they left? That doesn't make any sense. Nah. So an amendment that um, was put in by a couple senators, which, of course, everybody in the press, because they don't understand economics because they're idiots, had to vilify, well, we should get more than what we... Ladies and gentlemen, incentives matter. People want to hold on to their jobs and stay alive right now. No one's looking to benefit from this. Like, wow, this is great. I get $600 more. That's less money for everyone else. Of course, the amendment was voted down by people who don't understand even basic economics. You're going to create an incentive at some point for some, very few, but some people to say, well, if I can get my salary plus $600 more, then I'm not in any rush to get back. (laughs) It's a small portion, nonetheless. We get that. Mm-hmm. But it happens. What are you, you ignoring the real world? No, no, nobody ever takes advantage of government spending. Come on, grow up. Seriously. Yeah. I'm not talking to my own. I'm talking to liberal idiots out there. Seriously, grow up. Planned Parenthood, thankfully, was cut out. I'll get to that in the good stuff section. The Planned Parenthood funding, which was a total disaster. Nancy Pelosi, got to have abortions in there, too. Oh, my gosh. I just keep doing this with the plug. Here's some more bad stuff from the bill. Hat tip, Phil Kirpin and Rachel Bovard on Twitter did a great job. $75 million in the bill for the National Endowment of the Arts? Squealing. Check this Whoa. out. Again, in case you think of me. Oh, yeah. National Endowment for the Arts, Grants and Administration. $75 million buckarooskies. Isn't that nice? We give a million dollars to 75 small businesses, ladies and gentlemen, or in that Lady Mara Gay's math, we give a million dollars to 7.5 trillion businesses in America. Remember, remember that? <laughs> I can't get over that. We could give a million dollars to 75 businesses in America for the cost of one taxpayer handout to the National Endowment for the Arts. Listen, arts are great. I love the arts. Yeah. My daughter painted an Easter egg yesterday. Amelia, she did a great job. Folks, art's great. I love it. Is this the time for that? What the hell? 75 million? 75 million Americans. About a third or fourth of our population is giving a dollar to the government 
to hand over to the National Endowment of the Arts? Do you know what this stimulus is going to cost us? Because again, there's no money fairy. Anybody who tells you that is ignorant. I'm, I'm serious. Is, don't ignore them. This is not a stimulus. It's a rescue package. It's not, a, it's not going to stimulate. It's not going to sew up your wound. It may simply put a Band-Aid on it. The free market economy, if it comes back from this, is what's going to sew the wound up. You know how much it's going to cost you? I said, I teased at the beginning of the show. I never told. Every 18 and older American, because, you know, 18 and under mostly don't file taxes. We get them. Take a stab at it, folks. This stimulus package alone, forget about the debt we're in, government spending this year. We're talking about the air quote stimulus package. It's going to cost you $8,000 per person. Who? How's government going to pay for it? They're going to tax you, inflate away what you have now. There's no other way. That's it. So you're paying $8,000 per person and a couple bucks of that is going $75 million to the National Endowment for the Arts. Here's another gem. $75 million for the liberals at PBS and NPR who can't stand you. Yes, public broadcast. You see it right there. There's the bill, page mm-hmm. 773. Corporation for public broadcast. They got to get 75 mil too, Joe. If you're throwing around 75 mm. mil, might as well throw 75 mil to them too. You know, Big Bird. And cause Big Bird. But we need Big Bird. You debate Big Bird and whatever, Bozo the Clown or whatever the hell they do later. This isn't the place for that. This is a Band-Aid bill to keep people from drowning in a sea of poverty. $75 million for Oscar the Grouch. Can we do that later? Or never? NPR, by the way, hat tip Cernovich. The same hacks. You're paying $75 million in what could be the next depression if we don't get out of this fast. You're paying $75 million. Couple bucks for every American over 18. You're paying right now for this kind of junk. This is NPR. Fact check. Trump says... 50,000 could die from the flu. This is NPR. You're paying for this by Scott Hensley. Trying to hit Trump. It's so stupid. Trump says 50,000 could die from the flu. <laughs> Look at this again. Hat tip Cernovich. Here's the correction at the end of the piece. The initial version of the story said the CDC estimated there have been about 23,000 deaths. In other words, Trump is wrong. 50,000 can't die. This is their correction. Mm-hmm. That figure is at the lowest end of the CDC's estimated range, which extends to... 59,000. Your taxpayer dollars paid for a shameless fact check, air quotes, hit piece against Trump where Trump was accurate. Let's look at another NPR gem. Nice to know, 75 mil Mm. in the bill for Mm -hmm. this. This was NPR on January 29th of this year. The brilliant, and I use that term loosely, Allison Aubrey. Worried about catching the new coronavirus? Ah, and the U.S. flu is a bigger threat. I thought when Trump said that, he was crazy. Joe, when Trump said that, he was playing it down. Yeah. By the way, up to this point in the data, it's not inaccurate. That's not the point. The point is, it's these same taxpayer-funded idiots that were doing this to dunk on Trump because Trump had enacted a travel ban and they wanted to make it look like he was overreacting. <laughs> these are the same people who are now telling you Trump missed the ball and he underreacted. You get my point? 
Trump he, travel ban from China. NPR. Oh, he's overreacting. This is nothing like the flu. The flu is far worse. Now that we find out this could be pretty rough, but the flu has been worse statistically so far. Now, now the new narrative, Joe, is Trump definitely underreacted and missed the ball. What, you forgot that article you wrote? Yeah. This is 75 mil. 75 mil in the bill. We're voting for this? Here's another one. This is a real gem. Oh. So if you're a medium-sized business in the United States that yeah. by no, no fault of your own is now potentially going out of business because you have a liquidity crisis and you're running out of cash and the government's there to provide you a backstop with a loan with our money, the liberals had to throw in some union stuff in there too. Check this out. You, what does that have to do with anything? The recipient, in other words, Joe, if you take the loan, you will remain neutral in any union organizing effort for the term of the loan. What the hell does that have to do with anything? <laughs> I don't have a beef with unions. I've said this from the start. I refuse to be stigmatized by dopes on the left. I have a beef with being forced to join any organization, a union or elsewhere. What does now collective bargaining have to do with this? The answer is nothing. It's a liberal wish list being thrown in there because they think you're not looking. Where are the Republican priorities in here? They're non-existent, by the way. Where are things like School choice measures and extraneous stuff. Nowhere, because Republicans didn't want to lard it up with stuff not related to the bill. If the Dems had done, Republicans should have done it too. They won't. $8,000 for all of you over 18. This is what you're paying for. Union organizing, Big Bird, Oscar the Grouch, the National Endowment for the Arts. Now... I'm not going to say there's some good stuff because it's not a stimulus bill. I'm going to say there's some stuff that I think we all have to look at and not view it always as pure economists. I get it. I'm a utilitarian, a utilitarian as well a lot, but sometimes this, things happen. There is some good stuff. Uh, before I get to the good stuff or semi-good stuff, which is my last sponsor of the day, because I want to roll through this and please don't miss Kim Strauss will pick something up. I'm going to make a connection here. I promise it's going to bake your bagels. Today's show brought to you by... Our friends at Simply Safe, ladies and gentlemen, Simply Safe. Listen, with home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's your traditional way where you wait weeks, sometimes months, for a technician to do a messy install. It costs a small fortune. Nobody's got time for that. My wife put together our home security system because she's smart, super smart. She figured it out quick. You know why? She used the other way, the easy way, the simple way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's super easy to use. I have the app. Right here on my phone. You know what you think I'm messing with you? Simply Safe. There it is right there, popping up right there. Love Simply Safe. It's that easy to use. Turn it off, turn it on, watch your cameras. Real simple. Right? If I can figure it out, you can figure it out. It's <laughs> award winning protection. Two time winner of CNET's Editor's Choice Award. I'm not that technological. I'm just really, I rely on Paula for everything there. I do the content, she does the tech. This is super easy. Simply Safe blankets your home and safety. Comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, glass break sensors guard the inside. You barely notice it's there. But you can set this up all by yourself. Paula did it, what, about an hour and a half, Take you? Super simple. Matter of fact, I was sleeping. She came into bed a little later. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I was just setting up the system. She was done. It takes 30 minutes to an hour tops. That was a little bigger. We had a few extras thrown in. There's absolutely no trade-offs to your safety. You have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice, 24-7. And... It's cost-effective. It's only 50 cents a day. No contracts. They don't need them. You're going to love it. It's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. Go to simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino today. Make sure you get that right. 
and you'll get your free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Remember this website. Go now. Go to SimplySafe, S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash Dan Bongino. That's simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino. Go today. That's an I, not a Y. Simplysafe.com slash Dan Bongino. Go today. Take advantage of the deal. They're great. Okay. So getting back to the bill, we discussed some of the lowlights. Uh, there are a lot more in there, but in the interest of time, I'm just giving you the, you know, Big Bird, 75 million for Big Bird. We need that right now. Yeah. Here's some of the stuff I think could help right now. It's not a stimulus again, but there are people struggling and it'd be naive for us to ignore that. Wall Street Journal has a, de- a decent summary of it in their opinion section today uh, in this piece. And we'll go through uh, four or five. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but the price of coronavirus relief. The Fed gets money to save the economy, but Pelosi's price is steep. They go through the good and the bad. I'm just going to focus on the good stuff. Here's takeaway uh, number one. There's $250 billion set aside. Again, it's your money, folks. Let's not pretend. It's just your money going back to you. You're going to pay for it later, but maybe later we're all back and employed and making money. So the bill includes $250 billion for $1,200 payments to Americans. Listen up. Whether or not they're affected by the virus. If you fit a certain income bracket, I think it's below 75000 you will get a check whether you're affected by the virus or not for $1,200. There's also an enhancement for if you have kids. The cash will do little or nothing to help an economy closed by government fiat. This is the Wall Street Journal. The bill also pluses up unemployment insurance beyond 100% of wages, what I talked about before, which is an incentive not to work if you're laid off. This is the Wall Street Journal. Republicans were scrambling to fix that provision on Wednesday. They hope they did. They did not. That failed. Part number two, again, this money's going to have to be paid back, but people are struggling right now. Mm. We have to cut government spending later. They'll never do it, but the bill spends another $150 billion to pad the mismanaged budgets of state and local governments in Albany, Sacramento, and elsewhere. No strings or oversight attached. I'm not sure that's a great idea, folks. Oh, and Speaker Nancy Pelosi managed to earmark $25 million for the Kennedy Center. So now we know Oscar the Grouch, the Kennedy Center, and the National Endowments of the Arts got, what, 175 mil? Total? Isn't that cute? That's not the good stuff, by the way. Had to throw that in there. Here is some more good stuff. Hospitals do need money. It'd be ridiculous to say otherwise, ladies and gentlemen. The facts and data, this is serious and does need to be controlled. And our healthcare workers on the front line are really deserve the, the biggest of hat tips. The good news is the bill provides urgent money for emergency medical supplies to hospitals to make ventilators for virus patients and protection equipment for doctors and nurses and to support researchers looking for new therapies and perhaps a vaccine. This is a proper role for government given the extraordinary health emergency. Amen. Agree 100%. Yeah. I am an avid believer in limited government, ladies and gentlemen, in a national pandemic. Money for research that could develop positive externalities later into other, God forbid, there's another pandemic in the future. Money into research right now against us and to provide for ventilators to keep it a national stockpile. God forbid this comes back. is not a bad idea right now. I think we can all agree on that one. Lastly, this is an idea I suggested earlier, which is looks like it's going to come to fruition if the House decides to sign the bill. The bill provides $454 billion for Treasury's Exchange Stabilization Fund. This backstops Fed Reserve facilities to support the credit markets um, and individual companies. The bottom line is this, ladies and gentlemen, it will be a series of loans backstopped by the Treasury, managed by the Fed, that small businesses who are struggling can get access to do. Again, it's not free, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to pay for it later. But at this point, we have to consider the consequences if these businesses go under. Again, we're not talking about good ideas. We're talking about less bad ideas. 
These are not banks getting bailed out after developing bad books for mortgages and mismatched uh, maturities. These are American workers working for businesses that were liquid and fine just three, four weeks ago who are being wrecked by a government shutdown. But there is no money fairy. This will all have to be paid back later. All right, I'm going to skip ahead to this phase three stuff. I had a couple other stories. I will get to them. There's other news going on, but I really, this is really important. Kim Strassel found something interesting last night. I'm going to title this under phase three's begun. This is the let's get Trump phase three. If you don't see the writing on the wall here, man, did you miss it? So check out this. I'll tie this. Uh, I'll tie this all together for, uh, for you shortly. But the great Kim Strassel from the Wall Street Journal tweeted this out about the bill. She says Democrats kept holding out these past days for. She goes, get this, a body that would have subpoena power. Joe, here we go again, another subpoena <laughs> power body to investigate all aspects yeah. of the Trump pandemic response. Unbelievable impeachment mentality. Still, they didn't get their wish. Now. I'll get to her second tweet in a second. They wanted this in the bill. Pay close attention. Democrats tried to slip in, again, an investigative subpoena body, kind of like Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, subpoena body, to investigate Trump's pandemic response. They're already setting you up for something. Ladies and gentlemen, this has all the feel. To quote Catherine Harrod, you said this once and she was right. This has all the feel of a rollout, Joe. You know a rollout when the Mm -hmm. media and the left are preparing us for something that's about to come later? Step by step. So they tried to force in the bill a subpoena body to investigate Trump's response to this. Uh, They didn't get that, but go to Kim Strassel tweet number two. Here's what they did get. They got an oversight committee to review treasury loans. Okay. But check out who'll be on the board of this oversight committee. The last member ought to be fun. Who's the last member in Section E of this oversight committee that's supposed to look into all of this pandemic response stuff? It's a member appointed as chairperson by the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and the majority leader of the Senate after consultation with the minority leader of the Senate, Chuck Schumer, and the minority leader of the House. Wow. So Pelosi's going to consult with some folks to appoint someone to overlook all this. Listen, I have absolutely no issue. Matter of fact, I openly advocate for the government to review every dime spent here. Can't be a limited government guy and say, well, don't investigate, you know, the Trump team. If uh, God forbid there's some, you know, some misallocation of funds. No, everybody needs to be held accountable. But that's not what this is about. What is this really about? Well, conveniently on the same day, Pelosi wants a subpoena body, an investigator, to look into Trump's pandemic response. Remember, Pelosi's not concerned with getting through the pandemic. She's concerned about investigating the pandemic and Trump going on right now. <laughs> look at this gem, this tweet from this reporter who always seems to have the scoop from the Obama insiders, by the way. The National Security Council, Joe, you know, the people who've invented the quid pro quo and have been after Trump, apparently many of them, not all, from day one. Yeah. She's <laughs> got to scoop this Nahal Tusi. Scoop. She even writes scoop in all caps. We obtained the detailed National Security Pandemic Response Playbook. Gee, how'd she get that? The National Security Council. I thought they were in this for national security and responding to a crisis. No, they're into the leaks first. 
She got a hold of the National Security Council pandemic response playbook left behind by the Obama team for the Trump team. It was basically thrown onto a shelf. Oh, here's the rollout. Here's the rollout. Let's go. Let's circle back to how we opened up the show. There are two things Trump's fighting right now, the media and bad data. The data is being proven awful by the day because it's not happening what they said was going to happen. 500,000 dead. Thankfully, we're nowhere close. The data is wrong. Trump is fighting bad data, people, and he's starting to smell a rat. And secondly, he's sensing a media rollout that he dithered, Joe, and did nothing while this crisis brewed, which some idiots actually believe this despite mm-hmm. the fact that he instituted a travel ban, which probably saved the country, and the media called him a racist for doing it, the rollout has begun of Trump did nothing, Joe. We may have to impeach him again. It's already starting, and look, what's the narrative? On the same day, they want this investigative body to be able to subpoena people. On the, We're not even through this, close to through this pandemic yet. They already want to investigate him. On the same day, a reporter who gets a lot of scoops from those former Obama people, gets a leak from the National Security Council. You think they'd be involved in things like national security saying, hey, we had an Obama playbook for this and they ignored it. Already setting up the narrative. Trump ignored the Obama playbook, Joe, and people died. Trump killed them. Oh. 11-18, what's today's date? Yeah, there you go. Thursday, March 26th. 26, taking a note right here. 11, 18, 27 seconds. Now sticky note it. Yeah. Sticky note it right now. Mm-hmm. For those real old time listeners, oh, you'll get yeah. the joke there. I mean, old time listeners. Many of you are like, what's he talking about? That's like the people from Rio Linda thing with Rush. You have to have been there from the beginning to yeah. get that. Sticky note that right now. Trump ignored the Obama pandemic playbook and people died. But wait, the Obama pandemic playbook. That's fascinating because the Obama pandemic playbook wasn't followed by Obama. (laughs) No, that can't be. When I'm using Bloomberg. When I'm using Bloomberg, you know things are bad. Here is a Bloomberg article. You have to read all the way to the end to find out that this magical holy grail, Joe, the Obama pandemic playbook. Obama totally blew it during H1N1. Totally. But now the liberal marriage, Trump ignored the playbook and people died. Trump killed them. They're setting you up. Mm -hmm. Here's this Bloomberg piece. Again, you get all the way to the end, you find this little nugget. But the title of the piece is, Hospital workers make masks from office supplies amid U.S. shortage. Go all the way to the end, and there's this little gem buried at the end. Talking about this lack of face masks. Well, why don't we have face masks in a national stockpile? You know, King Obama, Joe, the golden calf of the left, clearly, you know, he saw something coming. His playbook said it, right? Trump ignored it. Trump Mm -hmm. killed him. He ignored the Obama playbook. Well, let's read about the Obama playbook here for a moment. Talking about the face masks, by the way. Quote, Bloomberg, all the way at the end of the piece. The number of face masks pales in comparison to what could have been needed in a serious outbreak. Government scientists in 2015, 2015, wait, 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 hold on. 2015, Trump was the president in 2015, right? Uh, No, wrong. He was not. Uh, President Obama was the president. Yeah, I'm just checking. 
Thank you. Thank you. I, I mean, really, I have that little angel devil on each shoulder. The angel's like, no, no, you're wrong. That was Obama. <laughs> Government scientists in 2015 estimated that a severe flu outbreak infecting 20 to 30 percent of the population would require at least 1.7 of the N95 face masks, respirators. Wow. So Obama's team was warned by scientists in 2015. But Joe, they had the playbook. Oh, it gets worse. Again, buried in the Bloomberg piece. The national stockpile used to be somewhat more robust. In 2006, Congress provided supplemental funds to add 104 million N95 face masks and 52 million surgical masks in an effort to prepare for a flu pandemic. But after the H1N1 influenza under Obama, I might add, outbreak in 2009, which triggered a nationwide shortage of masks and caused a, caused a two to three year backlog of orders for the N95 variety. The stockpile distributed about three quarters of its inventory. And wait, wait, wait. And what happened? And they huh? didn't build back the supply. Uh, yeah. Hold on. St- stand by. Stand by. I, I know you're confused right now, Joe. I just got to take notes. So. Yeah. 2006, they're warned. Okay, Obama's not in office yet. Scientists say we need face masks. Taking yeah. notes here, folks. Okay, we have an H1N1 pandemic in the middle of the Obama presence. H1N1. We deplete these masks and then back in 2015, they're like, hey, we need more masks and Obama does nothing. He does nothing. That's lame. Yeah, let me take a note here. Yeah. Just checking. Uh, let me see. March 26th again, 11.22 and 35 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Remember the narrative, ladies and gentlemen, and remember what I just told you. The new narrative based on leaks from the some of the dreadful people on the National Security Council right now, because there are very few, but some, who are not committed to our national security at all. All they do is leak to the media to destroy the president. Remember, they leaked the fake quid pro quo too. Phase three has begun. Narrative number one, Trump colluded with the Russians. False. Narrative number two, Trump won a quid pro quo with the Ukrainians to get information on Biden. False. Narrative number three, Trump threw out the Obama playbook and people died and Trump killed him. Mark it. Mark it. Except for the fact the Obama playbook was apparently ignored by Obama. Yeah. You're not going to get that anywhere, but I'm telling you right now, put those, take those Strassel tweets, take that journalist tweet about the scoop, put it together with this Bloomberg story and a rollout is coming. Mark my words. All right. One quick last story. I'm going to get through this. Um, cause it's important to be in the show notes today. Again, Bongino.com slash newsletter. You want to subscribe to the show notes or the best articles of the day, email them right to you. Again, just liberal hypocrisy to end your day with. This is from the free beacon, a great story. You know, Harvard, ha, Harvard, all the uh, yes. smart people. Uh-huh. Yes. I know that. Yes. <laughs> They're smarter than you and I, Joe. We're just a bunch of, you know, dumb rodents. Look at uh, us, an audio engineer and a cop. What a bunch of idiots. Oh yeah. I mean, come on. I'm not knocking Harvard or very smart people. No. I know a guy who went there, but there are some P 
people who run Harvard who are very liberal and, you know, they're woke and they're very compassionate. Look at this story at the Free Beacon. It'll be in the show notes. They're so compassionate, these liberals, aren't they, Joe? <laughs> Harvard's boasting at its, its, its $40 billion endowment. Billion, not million. They could almost, you know, uh, pay off all these uh, national endowment of the arts people and all that stuff. You know, they, <laughs> yeah. can, they have all the money to do it. Harvard has a $40 billion endowment, and yet it's laying off its dining hall workers due to the Wuhan virus. Where's the compassion? Let me just get this straight. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. don't know. Ain't there. So you want big daddy government to do everything, Harvard, but you got 40 bill, 40 bill, not short for William, sitting in your endowment in your bank account, and you can't spare a few bucks to take care of your subcontracted dining hall workers? They're woke, Joe. These are the compassionate, woke, smart people. You and I are the dopes. What do we know? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Really unbelievable. These are the people, the smart people, we're supposed to be taking advice from. The public policy experts. If you're a member of the Harvard Alumni Association or a donor to Harvard and you're not in an uproar right now, then there's nothing I can do to save you. Sorry. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. It was a very busy show today. Mm -hmm. Just remember those two narratives. Trump's fighting two fronts. The media is getting ready to say Trump killed people, ignored Obama's playbook. Setting up a false choice. And he's also in the fight of our lives right now against what is now unquestionably false data. Please subscribe to my show, youtube.com slash Bongino. It's free. We are almost at, we're about 13,000 away from our 400,000 subscriber mark on YouTube. That'll be a big mark for us. So we'd really appreciate it. It's all free, of course. YouTube.com slash Bongino. Go check it out. Thanks a lot, folks. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.